The IP address is a conversation about intellectual property, copyright, and intellectual freedoms. Although Sarah and Michael Michelle are trained professionals in a library setting, they don't hold any actual legal degrees. Their opinions and statements should only be taken as entertainment and not as actual legal advice. This is just a fun little podcast made by and for people who love talking about these issues. So sit back, grab a hot drink, and enjoy as these two try to make sense of a very messy landscape. Welcome to the IP Addressed, the podcast for librarians and all of those interested in copyright, intellectual freedom, and the many other topics that shape the world of information. Each episode, we'll be having casual conversations with experts in the field, exploring the latest developments in IP law, and discussing how they impact the world of libraries. From the challenges of ebook lending to the fight to open access, We'll be delving into the stories and issues that matter to librarians and information professionals. Join us as we navigate the complex and ever-changing landscape of intellectual property and discover the ways in which it shapes the world of information and knowledge, whether you're a librarian, a student, or just someone interested in the world of information. The IP address is the podcast for you. That is an introduction that is not an accurate reflection entirely of this podcast, but... (laughs) It was written for us by AI, which does make it valuable and a good introduction for this episode. Michael, would you like to take it away? Sure, yes. Um, So I am your one co-host, Michael Michelle. I think our chat GPD, no, GPT, uh, dyslexia is a real thing. That was fun. That was fun. And I think... Fun is how we want to approach this this particular episode because there's there's some pretty interesting areas that we can go with this one. Yeah, all things all things AI are really fascinating. Yeah. I was in a meeting today where somebody um, produced a report written by my library using Chat GPT using a professional tone. It was horrifying how good it was and how bad it was which is also how i feel about this podcast introduction so we have not (laughs) yet been entirely replaced by the artificial intelligence not that they're not trying they are doing their damnedest i'll tell you that much um yeah it's it's really interesting um you know looking at anything that ai has put out it's got this uncanny valley aspect to it uh-huh. where if you don't take too much time and effort to oh, like give it an overview and look at it and observe it it seems fine but the more you look at it the more wrong it starts to present itself yeah you know like like the cracks in the facade begin to really start to show at least that's how it is currently who knows how well it's going to get yeah, I feel like where yes. ChatGPT will shine is like if you're writing a podcast introduction that's going to be in the background of a TV show and no one's really <laughs> going to hear the podcast introduction. You just want it yeah. to be shaped like a podcast. Exactly. And I think how I think that's how most AI stuff should be 
observed and consumed. It's, it, there's a reason why we probably won't be using that intro moving forward. For one thing, it's very wordy and very mouthful. Man, it was fun to fun to look at. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've been we've been kind of talking about this, but let's actually get into some of the nitty gritties. Um, Wait, but first, what are we actually talking about today, first. Michael? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, um, we're talking about AI. Uh, it's more specifically AI art. We are recording this pretty far in the past, so by the time this episode comes out, this will most likely be old news. But I would say probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking like end of the year 2002, beginning of the year 2003, this was when this was a pretty hot button topic for the general public. I mean, AI produced things in terms of a copyright, in terms of an intellectual property has always kind of been in the back of a lot of librarian minds, uh, especially those who are more tech savvy. But it, I think it got into some pretty hot water. For me, I think the crux of it was right around Christmas, you know, right around the Christmas break. I had a lot of family members talking about it. You know, there were a few family members on opposite sides of the conversation because, you know, we're going to frame, I think, the latter half of this episode in less of a clear-cut copyright aspect of it, because the clear-cut copyright aspect is fairly simple. And I feel like once we get past that hurdle, I want to get into some more of the nitty-gritties, some more of the ethical aspects of it, because I find that particularly fascinating. Much more interesting. I don't want to overshine, or undershine, rather, the copyright aspect of it, because that is also pretty interesting. So yeah, we're talking about copyright... Uh, not Well, we are talking about copyright, but we're talking about AI art. You know, the... The AI algorithmically learning art that's been popping up all around people's icons and display pictures. Um, I do love a good social media phenomenon, but um, Michael Michelle, would you would you yeah. tell me, like I don't know because I might not actually, <laughs> what are we talking about when we're talking about AI art? Just walk me through this. Okay. Um, I, I've done a little bit of research on this, as I do with most of these episodes, I swear. Um, simply put, I think the easiest way to tell somebody about AI, AI art, is that it's media that has been generated by a prompt through an algorithm of some kind, uh, a learning, a learning software. Now, this can this prompt that this like algorithm is using. Uh, can be in the form of a typed out word or words or an already supplied picture. So the algorithm will usually, you know, it'll look through some kind of a database. And the biggest database we have out there is the internet for clusters of images or media based around the prompt that you have given to form a whole new result, a whole new, most of the time it's a picture, but sometimes as we've seen with our introduction, it could be a full on paragraph. Mm -hmm. So kind of think about it as a, you know, on your, your cell phones, when you have like um, the completed word mm -hmm. kind of thing, whenever you're doing a text message, uh, think of that as being like a very soft version of that, where it's like predicting the next kind of word based on the prompts that you've given it before. Yeah. And the algorithms can be as complex or as simple as you want it to be. So I think that's kind of like the most simple way of saying like that is what an AI generated art or media is. Yep. Sorry, I'm just trying to think about no, where I've seen AI art because it's not, mm -hmm. you know, I've sort of had sort of a limited exposure to it. But 
Like I've seen mm-hmm. the filters on TikTok and people sharing on Instagram of yeah. like themselves in different eras. So that would be like taking a picture yeah. of yourself and then it is getting transformed by the AI. That's one of the versions of this that we're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, it's that's exactly it. The picture instead of a text is being run through the database, the algorithm, and it's coming back in different styles. And we'll get get to one of the more popular ones uh, and the one that I think sparked a lot of this conversation a little bit later on. Because that, for me, this is where the conversation gets really interesting. Um, All right, well, we'll, ho- so we'll hold on for that. <laughs> yeah, because my first ex- uh, experience with this was with the DALL-E2 database. Um, it, this came out of like an open sourced code, uh, an open source kind of uh, program where you would kind of force association a bunch of terms mm-hmm. together uh, to create some really interesting and really wacky AI-generated art. I mean, I've used this before with, like, Taylor Swift prog rock album covers uh-huh. or, like, Godzilla Bob Ross painting. And through that, you would get, like, a grid, like a 3 by 3 for a total of nine pictures based off of this. And that i think i remember playing around with that really heavily in the fall of 2023 or sorry 2022 yeah yeah this was just a lot of fun there wasn't any kind of sticking points of it it was just kind of played around with some fun because you know you're using the likeness of these things that you've put in to create this whole new thing you know it would scour the internet find whatever it was that you had mentioned in the prompts and then come back with this whole new kind of fan art for lack of a better term well i am unfortunately not going to be paying attention for the rest of this podcast because now (laughs) i'm just playing playing with the dolly too i'm just going to be playing with dolly too yeah Um, i remember when it first came out and i was waiting in this queue because like nine times out of ten it would say that the system is too busy try again later yeah because everybody was playing with it yeah that's what's going on with chat gpt right now (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's the big, the big thing, right? So I think uh, I'll put this on our social medias, but some of the, the forced associations that I, I put into them and the uh, things that we got back, uh, it's pretty fun. It's a lot of fun. Oh, but I don't have enough yeah. credits. Okay, so there's only so much I can play oh, for right now. Interesting. So they must have changed it because back then it was just as much as you wanted to. You have to have credits now. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's going to be part of the conversation we're going to have in a little bit. Yes, yeah, so this is, it's a cool, fun toy that is now monetized in some way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's going to lead us to uh, another point that I'd like to kind of pose. And maybe I'll ask you. You know, I hear you and the listener thinking, <laughs> well, once these, once these pieces are created, because this is an intellectual property and a copyright podcast. Uh-huh. Once these pieces are created, who actually owns them? You know, is it the, the person that prompts, puts the prompts into the algorithm? Mm-hmm. Is it the person who built the algorithm? Is it the person who wrote the code for the algorithm? Mm-hmm. You know, is it the person that actually wrote the computer program itself? Is it the person that built the computer that the algorithm is running? Or is it the people who the algorithm is gathering the codes to create this whole new medium for? And I don't want to spoil it because we'll get to that in a little bit. But like, who do you think owns it? Well, we've talked about this before, so I won't spoil what you've told me before. I will say instead (laughs) what I would have maybe imagined 
which was yeah. that the, I, I would imagine that the company who has produced this website that is brought together the code writer and the technology through which this is taking place would own the product of that website. That would have been my guess prior right. to being set straight by the, no, the likes of you. And honestly, I feel like that is a much more educated guess than the one that I would have put through because mine would have been a conglomeration of the individuals that the algorithm is taking for lack of a better term, inspiration from mm -hmm. like, you know, the bits and pieces combined with the individual that's prompting, you know, it's kind of like who owns the, uh, the means of production. Yeah. And it's, you know, my own, my own little, you know, it's the workers that own the, but then the companies will be like, nah, man, we're the ones paying you. So through the means of commerce, that's how this works. Yeah. Okay. But what's the real so, answer? Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that because I want to get to more about uh, kind of leading into the second big piece of this, which is, should we really care <clears throat> about AI art from a copyright standpoint? I'm going to, I just, this is another question I would like to ask you. Should we care about AI art from a copyright standpoint? Yes. Are you saying that just because this is a copyright type of a podcast? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Am I saying that because I have access to the show notes that tells me all of the, oh. all of the things that are interesting to talk about related to copyright? That's right. That's right. Yes. And you wouldn't be wrong. You know, um, as we were just kind of discussing before, uh, the copyright really does help m work us through this kind of more mucky area of like who owns what mm -hmm. and what that ownership entails and means. So, like, you know, that very sticky question of, you know, who owns this new AI generated media uh, copyright is extremely important yeah. in something like this with AI becoming so much more dynamic, you know, the AI algorithm will literally take pieces, sometimes full items from artists within their formula that they're constructing yeah. to create this new media. And in some respects, that is an infringement of copyright. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not asking for permission. We're not asking for consent. The AI hasn't been sat down and taught about um, copyright or even like, you know, having a proper bibliography mm -hmm. uh, or a citation course mm -hmm. uh, that most of us has gone through within first year university. So, yeah, the AI, they'll collect all these different pieces and essentially infringe on a lot of different copyrights. I mean, I, I think that what you're what you're describing, you know, sort of abstractly as we talk about this, you can imagine that the AI is taking from so many different sources that the like final product is going to look nothing like the, the pieces that exist, the images that exist on the open web that have taught the AI, you know, what does an Apple look like or what does a golden retriever yeah, look like or whatever. I, but that's not always the case, right? Like, I was going to say, like, in a perfect world, I would really hope that's what would happen mm -hmm. so that like a whole unique, like a wholly unique thing would happen. Mm -hmm. But as we'll kind of get into the thick of it, that's not what happens. Um, yeah. Hmm. And I, you know, in preparing for this, I came across an article just from a couple of days ago um, in the CBC. So as you can always count on the CBC to bring a Canadian lens to um, whatever hot topic is taking place, yep. they 
have sort of an interview with a Sudbury-based illustrator, um, Mark Gagné, mm -hmm. who has found that um, some of these AI generators have, you know, pulled his images basically directly. Like you can see, they've sort of yeah. posted some images here. You can you can see that it's it's not really changed at all. They've yeah. they've maybe scrubbed it a little bit. I see that they've removed his signature, so that's something. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, because while I was doing some research about this, um, I ran into a number of cases where the watermark and the signature were not removed. Oh, good, you good, good. You can trace it directly back. Yeah, you can trace it directly back to the original source, which opens up a whole lot of really interesting things, as we're going to discuss in a little bit. So I want to kind of give you a little bit of an example. If we wanted to put the two prompts of Batman and Mickey Mouse into an AI generator, mm -hmm. you could get a picture of a Batman Mickey Mouse, like either Mickey Mouse dressed up like Batman or Batman with the Mickey ears or whatever you have you. I think at this point, even though this is a wholly new created item, a wholly new created thing, I think we can all agree that this is clearly infringing on copyright, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so do we want to kind of lift the veil a little bit? I know for anybody that's been following the whole copyright in AI art has been screaming at us the whole time, calling us all sorts of different names for burying the lead. I, I, I would like to give you this opportunity. Would you like to kind of give us the big fun fact about AI and copyright? Um, uh, what an honor. Yeah, sure. I will tell yeah. our loyal <laughs> and excited listeners, I'm sure, that in these cases, actually no one owns the AI-generated art because it was decided yeah. recently that um, any art to be created and to be copyrighted needed to be created by a person. For all of you philosophical thinkers out there, that also does not include a plucked chicken. I've been listening to a lot of like philosophical podcasts lately and the whole idea of what is a person has come uh -huh. up. Um, and yeah, it's <laughs> certain individuals will find this very funny. At least I hope so. Yeah. So this kind of all came down when Chris, and I want to butcher this last name. So you might have to help me with this. Uh, is it cash Tavonva? I think cash Tavova? so. Cash Tavova would have been my guess. Cash Devova, that sounds right. Yeah. So Chris filed for copyright protection for their comic book, Zara and the Dawn, which used AI-generated art. And that in and of itself seemed really interesting, you know, creating this whole comic book using an AI-generated art for the art of it. Mm -hmm. So when Chris went to the United States Copyright Office, they ruled no. Mm -hmm. And to quote them exactly... A comic book created with the computer-generated art is not eligible for copyright protection. Mm -hmm. And this was the court case that kind of set the groundwork and precedent for any attempts at copyright AI art. And the main source, the main case study that they used for this, and what we have to thank, is a monkey by the name of Naruto. <laughs> um, and I think I, I know we'll be covering a lot more in depth uh, this kind of concept of can art and media created by animals be copyrighted? So spoiler alert to that episode, no, they cannot. Uh, any media created by any non-humans cannot be held to the constraints of copyright. 
this was the main case used for this allegation when a macaque named Naruto took a selfie of themselves and David Statler, the photographer who owned the camera, tried to sell the picture to make some extra money, you know, as a job of a photographer. Mm -hmm. That's what he does. But when PETA got wind of this, they sued David, saying that the picture belonged to Naruto. Uh, when the case was brought towards the judge, the judge said, no, the photo doesn't belong to anyone. Thus, it can't be copyrighted, it can't be sold. Uh, and any money that David did make in the process leading up to it, he has donated to help macaques. Since a selfie taken by a macaque named Naruto could not be copyrighted, art generated from a computer could also not be copyrighted because it was not created by the hands of a human. Pretty, pretty tight yeah, and dry until we get into the question of, yeah. well, you know, what's a person, which the law is pretty clear about, although we can talk a lot more about <laughs> I think chickens yeah, and, that... and non-human animals. And... <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think that's where, you know, the law is very cut and dry into what a human is, but philosophy uh, has a lot of fun playing with what is human and sci-fi. You know, some mm-hmm. of my favorite sci-fi books and sci-fi art and media really plays around with the idea of what it means to be human and what is a human and what isn't human. And I mean, we're kind of, we're starting to edge closer and closer to that with this whole AI generated mm-hmm. art. But for this time, AI art can't be copyrighted. Um, it just, that's the answer, yeah. you know, and that's, in my mind, like that's on the one hand satisfying because it does really kind of make that question of who owns the art, whose intellectual property is the art, kind of like the wrong question to be asking here. Mm -hmm. But I think there's still a lot of sticking points even with this. You know, if we go back to our Batman and Mickey Mouse analogy, our example, you put in Batman, Mickey Mouse, Mm -hmm. ops out pops a Batman, Mickey Mouse, so no one owns that picture, right? Mm-hmm. So why would Disney and Time Warner be knocking on our doors saying that we infringed copyright and we can't be doing that? It's like, well, nobody owns this picture. So what? why does it matter? Why would they be angry, Sarah? I, I would like to know, from, <laughs> why would they be angry? I want my Batman Mickey Mouse. Why would they be angry at me creating this? Well, and I think that that gets not... We're, we're going to go out of order now because you've just posed this question to me. And I think that the... You know, it, the answer sort of comes back to, well, what is the process by which AI art is being generated? So maybe the product can't be um, copyrighted, but the stuff that's feeding into AI art, AI art is, in a lot of cases, copyrighted. So, you know, what's the process mm-hmm. that's taking place here if we're taking the character and the copyrighted image of Batman, the copyrighted character and the copyrighted image of Mickey Mouse, or the intellectual property and art of lesser known and lesser resourced artists all around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And letting that feed into technology that then takes that, maybe transforms it, maybe, as we've talked about, doesn't, um, and then spits out Mm -hmm. something that, you know, it doesn't own, and the person mm-hmm. who asked for it doesn't own, but, you know, there's pieces of it that are clearly, or not clearly, based on the art of, you know, human creators who are through this process really getting exploited, who are having their intellectual mm-hmm. property violated. And we don't know 
yet what mm -hmm. the law is going to say about that because this is so new but i think that we have a sense intuitively or i have sort of a sense intuitively that there is a there is something going on here that you know people might have something to say about that that really does impact the in, in impact artists impact creative people um impact humanity mm -hmm. that that this sort of technology is changing how images that have been created by people are getting used ultimately and owned ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Every time you go on one of these mini monologues, I always just, I need to start taking notes because so many gold, so much gold nuggets in there. The one that I, I, I want to just pull on a little bit and extrapolate is my hypothetical Mickey Mouse Batman. Yeah. Everybody knows immediately who these two characters are. Yeah for a lot of the smaller creators out there mm -hmm. that don't have that same kind of immediate recognition, that immediate, oh, that's so-and-so from such and such, mm -hmm. they're at a little bit more of a risk for this. Yeah. You know, they're much more at a risk for having their art essentially stolen mm -hmm. and passed on as somebody else's mm -hmm. because the, the process itself can't be copyrighted. Yeah. I think is different than saying you can't violate copyright by using this, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people are, are, this is where the sticking point is because you can definitely infringe on copyright by using this process, even if the process itself isn't copyrightable. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I think that I was having a conversation about this earlier today and so I'll I'll nod to my smarter than me colleagues who were bringing up some really interesting points around AI generated art and AI generated text which mm -hmm. was you know when we think about this type of like let's call it exploitation let's call it mm -hmm. exploitation um, let's do it. and think about you know who in society is is likely to be most impacted by this M like yep. with most technology innovations that you think about there's you know there's good things and there's bad things that come from technology but oftentimes it's it's the people who have the least institutional power who end up bearing the brunt of the costs of whatever the drawbacks are and so i have no doubt that warner brothers and disney are going to figure out how to get paid <laughs> Um, oh, yes. through AI-generated art. I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to be just fine. But independent yeah. artists all over the world, mm -hmm. you know, who don't have that institutional power, who are relying on their art and their style to for their livelihood, who maybe have culturally yeah. specific style. You think about indigenous artists. Um, mm -hmm. you know, what does it mean for, for that product to be put into an AI generator and ripped off in that way? Like that's not just an yeah. individual being harmed, but that is a, that is a, a, a cultural group that has already been harmed by so many institutions for, for so, such a long period of time that, you know, you, you, I, you can imagine seeing some of those some of those trends being repeated with this, you know, new technology as you sort of often do. Yeah. And I think you touched upon a really, really interesting point because a lot of people, especially in the library community will say that like AI art isn't necessarily taking the specific 
picture that somebody has developed. They're not taking a specific item. They're taking the style. Right. And I would argue that the style is much more affixed to an artist that practices for and develops for years and years and decades and decades to come up with their style. That that is so much more of an invasion, so much more of a theft Mm -hmm. than it would be if they just stole in a single picture. Mm -hmm. Because it's a little harder to kind of pin down and say, well, this was very clearly so-and-so because it looks exactly like that one particular painting or picture or what have you. When it's done in the style of somebody that's very recognizable and very stylized, Mm -hmm. I think that can do a lot more harm. Mm -hmm. I, I think this is a really good time to bring up at least for me, and I think for both of us, the one that really kicked off this whole more ethical and philosophical debate than in the past, which was much more of a clear-cut intellectual property and copyright discussion. Because as we know, whatever art has been kind of spewed out of these algorithms, you can't be, it, they can't be copyrighted. Right. But I think this is where it gets really interesting because Lenza came on the the field mm-hmm. and started charging money mm-hmm. to have people do this. And so this was kind of how they got around the whole copyright uh, and intellectual property monetization barrier, you know, because if it's not copyrighted, you can't make money from it. Yeah. You can't sell it. What you can do is what I guess the doll E2 is doing with mm-hmm. um, credits or whatever. Uh, you have to pay in order to use their service. Yeah. And uh, again, I... My family is filled with, for lack of a better term, tech bros. Cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I had I had some very enriching conversations, and I mean that I mean that genuinely. I had a lot of very enriching conversations with a few of my cousins who are in the tech industry, mm-hmm. and we had very different approaches to this topic, uh, specifically around Lenza and around monetization mm-hmm. of an uh, an ai generated piece mm-hmm. so for anybody that is that is uninitiated with lenza sir would you like to talk about lenza would you like do you have any i i actually like only have a guess what lenza is because i've not ever used it directly but is oh. this what i'd seen people do with their faces mm-hmm. in all kinds of different styles is that what we're talking about it is about? indeed it is so, indeed, yeah. For the and for the I, uninitiated I would, who just like, lurk on social media, mm-hmm. it's it, you know, <laughs> it's just seeing your friends look really cool, like they're from different eras and different versions mm-hmm. of themselves, and lots of good fun. I made myself old yeah. in whatever version of that happened two years ago, and um, everyone said that oh, wow. you were just giving your face to the Russians. <laughs> I mean, at this point, who hasn't? Listen, you know? that's what I figured. Wh- yeah. Whoever at needs point, my face it's, it's has right my passage. face. Yeah, I'm going to lead the uh, the listeners kind of behind the, the backstage here, you know, bringing them up on stage, letting them check out the wings, bringing them into the backstage dressing room area. Um, I, I downloaded Lenza just before Christmas, and I, I went through it twice. So they do have my money. Good. I, I am... I am one of those 
I, I have continued this capitalistic churn as somebody who really, you know, at certain points struggle with like what I look like, how I present myself, mm-hmm. having a little bit of that gender dysphoria going on about it putting the likeness of myself through a lot of these different filters and a lot of these different styles to become more feminine, to become more androgynous and to finally have something that met more of my mind's eye self Mm -hmm. seen in these pictures gave me one of the few big boosts of gender euphoria that I've ever really felt. Yeah. And in that case, like this, I think this is one of the main ways that I feel like these AI generated arts work really, really well. Mm -hmm. And I would happily pay the $7 that I paid to have it done again. I will, I will admit there are a few pictures in here that I was given that are just not me. Yeah. Like it's very clearly somebody else that they found a selfie of this random person and they tried to blend our two faces together, but because I have a very masculine face, you know, it's it's this chin. I can't do anything with this chin. I try to hide it behind some facial hair, but it just doesn't doesn't quite work. I guess because I had set the sensors to bring back feminine qualities, it didn't know how to handle that, so it just gave me this person. It was basically just a selfie of this person that I don't know. And it was at that point that it stopped being fun and it started being like, oh, I don't actually like having this picture on my phone of some person I don't know. You know, I don't know if I like that. (laughs) Yeah, and I think think that's what we were kind of scratching upon is that with Lenza, the databases of picture that, uh, like the databases of pictures that they're combing through, uh, the AI has no concept yet uh, between copyrighted and non-copyrighted material. Mm-hmm. So many artists with their very noticeable art and art style are changed very little and popping into these AI art databases and res- results. And as I mentioned before, including their full-on watermark and signatures, mm-hmm. practically unedited mm-hmm. at all. As much as I love seeing myself as my true Disney princess uh, within a pastel, gritty, cyberpunk fantasy, sci-fi horror, sometimes they just basically just copy and paste somebody's selfie. And I'm like, oof, ooh, I don't know about that. (laughs) But what you're describing, you know, as an important and valuable you know, product that the internet and technology can create us, which is the ability to see yourself differently and see yourself more closely to how you, how you, how you do see yourself internally. There's no reason that you can't hire artists to produce a, an array of images like we do for fonts, right? Like fonts are designed. There's, yeah. there's so many parts of our life that are designed by thoughtfully by people who who create the nuts and bolts of you know what it looks like to them manipulate different options and the fact that right now ai generators are scraping a database of the open web and stealing other people's images Mm -hmm. does not mean that that is the only way that ai can operate like ai could scrape a database of images that have been 
fairly purchased for this purpose mm. from artists who have created them um, so that we can all see ourselves as the Disney princesses or Viking warriors that we, you know, uh, that we are inside. Part of why I created this or why we created this podcast was so that we would actually have fan art so that people could draw myself as the Disney princess <laughs> and Sarah as a Viking warrior. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, this was my way of superseding that and getting basically free art <laughs> out of this. There you go. Used the dream. Properly. Used properly. <laughs> the dream, really. So I think this kind of comes into our, our last talking point in this episode, which we've kind of talked around and about. Yeah. And I think this is really at the heart of the conversation when we're talking about AI art in intellectual property and in copyright, which is, is AI art bad? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, in all sunk, like all cost analysis, in the sunk cost analysis, is it an all good thing for humanity or is it an all bad thing for humanity? Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know... We love to do that. We love to just stick one massive sticker on anything without any sense of nuance uh-huh. and be like, is it all good or is it all bad? I'll let, and, I'll let yeah, you I, put that sticker on. I'm not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> You're not prepared? I don't... I, yeah, and I think anybody that does needs to really be sat down and be taught the concept of nuance. Mm-hmm. Because I think with anything else, it really depends on how you use it. Yeah. Now, was the way that I used it, again, to see myself as the true Disney princess that I am, Mm -hmm. was that the right way to use AI art? I would argue marginally so. Mm -hmm. I think the proper way is to hire and commission a proper artist, as you had mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, to do so. But it was also just kind of fun to see myself in all these different areas and different ways and you know, all these different art styles. Yeah. And it just kind of gave me like a baseline. I also think, and it was a, a, of all places, TikTok. It's so interesting in the world we live in where TikTok can be a really good source of information and a good source of, you know, creative thinking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Only if you're using it user, right. I... Oh, again, it depends on how you use it. <sighs> There's a lot of garbage out there. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah. I think that's. I think that can basically sum up all. Well, no, I think that can basically sum up all social media. Yeah. If used properly, it's very good. But man, there's a lot of garbage to work through. <laughs> no, there's a there's a brilliant creator. <laughs> there's a brilliant creator called Charlotte Moore Lambert. Uh, I highly recommend checking out her videos. And she does kind of like a Coles Notes version of that. And as I was writing these notes, I actually wrote in my notes. Can we even say Coles notes anymore if Coles has been integrated with Indigo chapters and they're not even on like the main title and they don't even sell those Coles notes books? Um, and I think anybody under the age of like 35 wouldn't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's just a little, a little aside that I was thinking of. But uh, yeah, Charlotte made a lot of really, really good points of kind of how we use AI art and the good like i don't want to say good as in like the capital g quote unquote good ways but i think proper in the sense of intellectual property and copyright where it's for personal use you know you're a creative author like creative writer mm-hmm. you're you're stuck at something and you just put in a bunch of prompts 
to have either an AI generated image or some text come in to help alleviate that mm-hmm. or to give voice to something that you have in your head that you can't quite voice yet. I think it's a tool to be used in that creative start, but it shouldn't be the end point. I think to be used in a entertaining way, kind of like how I did, has its uses and can be fun to use. Mm-hmm. If I were to use any of these images as, say, my professional icon, I would probably hire somebody out, but that's just me. If I were to use it as like a personal icon on like Facebook or Instagram, I wouldn't feel too, too bad doing that. But if it was my personal one on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, I would feel much more comfortable hiring somebody else. So I think it really depends on how we use it. And to your point much earlier in this unfortunately it's going to be those who already amass a lot of power and a lot of influence that will use it perhaps not to the best way and it will be taken advantage of those who don't harbor that amount of power and influence kind of like anything else i think we covered a lot of good things i think we could either yeah, I got, talk about i didn't lawsuit. yeah yeah let's talk about some lawsuits okay. you can already see where some of the gray areas are Mm -hmm. and you know the law isn't a big fan of gray areas so obviously there's going to be some lawsuits what what were some lawsuits that you were able to find looks like you you found a couple yeah so the the first one that i sort of came across was um a, a class action lawsuit of um a number of artists and illustrators who are suing um the ai art generators and they're they're suing them for having um, scraped their work, pushed their artwork mm-hmm. into their um, into their AI, um, and used that to produce that non-copyrightable images at the end. Um, and one of the chief artists is Sarah Anderson, um, who y- you all may know um, uh, has done a lot of really lovely things. I think that um, you'd, you'd sort of recognize her art if you saw it and if you saw it come out mm-hmm. of an AI generator um, and the argument really from the artists is that they're taking and using their art without permission um, and the quote that I saw from the um, companies themselves said that you know that this is more like collaging and that the end uh, end product is enough transformed that it falls into a sort of fair use mm. exception to copyright law. But this is very new and very active. And so I think that this is going to be another one of those decisions that is going to really define how this technology evolves um, in the future. Because if this is ruled to not be permitted, Um, And if this claim by the artists uh, holds up, then that's really going to change the way that mainstream AI art generators um, carry forward in the future. Yeah, Um, that's very interesting because the way that I would interpret a court like um, a case like that for any like any company that is trying to monetize the product I would just point right back to what we were mentioning before with Naruto the the macaque. It's like you can't copyright that. You can't monetize mm-hmm. that. Like you can you can offer it to people and charge people to use the service of it, but you yourself 
shouldn't and can't monetize the end product. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what a lot of these places are at this stage attempting to do. Mm-hmm. Because they haven't quite figured out yet how to monetize anything else outside of providing access to the end user. Mm-hmm. But at some point, we're we're going to find an, a new ooh shiny to play with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's only a certain amount of well that you can draw from for that. In terms of, like, standing with the artists in that one, I am completely on the artist's side in that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making sense or not. In my head, this is like, ooh, this is brilliant. I have to... But then it gets garbled up into the processor. Yeah, it's interesting because it's... it's, I I feel like the artist's case is that the use of their imagery is -hmm. is itself a violation of the copyright. So as soon as it goes into the AI generator, that that copyright violation has happened. So yeah, I think it's just going to be a really interesting case that there's are, there are I think we're both sort of like coming up garbled because this is one of those one of those gray areas where we just don't quite know yet how this is going to shake out. It's just so active and new and yeah. you know, we're recording this in January of 2023, so you can imagine that this is going to be evolving quite a lot. I I think I wanted to end this particular episode with some of the ethical issues that come out about it once we enter the capitalistic systems that we find ourselves living under. And this is something that I think the big ethical aspects of it come about, especially when artists already find it so hard to get a job and get Mm -hmm. paid for any job that they have with the threat of this algorithm taking over. I don't think we're quite at that point yet. I mean, if you look at the the AI art when they're generating hands or teeth. It's just, it's just, it's a Lovecraftian horror show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only going to work for I some love, genres. But that's right. That's right. The Moinkoft, Voidkoff test from Blade Runner. Really, they just have to look at the person's hands rather than looking in their eyes uh, and asking them a bunch of ser- series of questions whether or not they're human. They just really just need to look at their teeth and their hands to whether or not this is an AI-generated art. But I, I, coming back, it is a real concern. Mm-hmm. You know, artists already have a hard time right now. We don't need to add the big layers of fighting a computer program for the jobs that they're trying to be hired for. Or worrying that a computer program is using their art mm-hmm. for those jobs that they're trying to vie for. You know, what would be cheaper? The program to generate the art that those artists have or to hire the artists and pay them a livable wage. Mm -hmm. You know, a a computer doesn't need to pay rent, taxes, and pay for food. An artist does. So, and this is part of the reason why I really want to talk about this is when you cut it down to the basis of copyright and intellectual freedom, it has a clear-cut answer. Nobody owns it. Mm But then we get into the more nitty-gritty ethical nuanced aspects of it, which are then why are artists still struggling so hard and fighting so hard for their own work, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like that was where I was really butting heads with a lot of my tech bros, friends, uh, and family members, because they couldn't quite understand it. They're like, well, why can't artists just get real jobs? And I'm like, it is a real job, <laughs> you know? One of the questions for me is, you know, where do we want to be reducing manual labor and where do we want to be, you know, investing in, in humanity. And, you know, people have such interesting things to say 
with their art and with their words mm -hmm. I'm just never going to be as interested in what a computer has to say except for you know the novelty of it for a couple of minutes but I would love for AI to you know improve systems and to look for efficiencies and there's a lot of like big and little problems out there that I feel like AI could really do a great job <laughs> at mm -hmm. um, and you know that feels like a better <laughs> place to be developing our technologies <laughs> right now so that we can free up yeah. people to make art and to write poems and to connect with each other. Yeah. yeah, I would love to see, and I've already seen it, a lot of artists using the AI art to enhance their own product, mm -hmm. like to get closer to whatever the expression it is that they want to talk yeah. about. I think there was, there was a lot of albums that came out last year in 2022 yeah. that used AI in either their lyrical writing, their music like the compositions of their music but they didn't just stop there right. they then played with it and you know it was almost like a conversation between the two and i feel like again that's a really interesting and brilliant way to utilize this mm -hmm. um it should be used to enhance what it is that we're already doing um rather than used to steal people's art and jobs and money <laughs> essentially um but you know that's just my own take so I love that, look forward yeah. to our next episode, which will be completely written by an AI generator. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add there, Sarah? No, I think that's a great point to end us on. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. I, I believe I had set up an email address. So if you want to chat with us, if you want to uh, send us any questions, uh, any comments, uh, you can email us at ipaddresspod.com at gmail.com and you know maybe we'll do a Q&A at some point or whatever um, be sure to share this with friends loved ones anybody you think might enjoy this even people you don't think will enjoy this maybe you'll get a kick out of it maybe you'll get surprised follow us on whatever social media that we have as we mentioned this this little podcast is one of the good ones in that trash fire of social media yeah anything else you wanted to add anything that I missed I feel like I got everything I think you got it all you're the keeper of the list, no. so you you know what we're missing. I never do. Oh, oh come on. You, you, you've got this. <laughs> so as we say in capping off and ending this episode, um, don't yell fire in an AI-generated conglomeration of pictures stolen by artists. Beautifully said. Mm -hmm.